March 28th meeting of the Alameda Health System Board of Trustees to order. Can we Trustee get a roll call? Freeze. I am here. Trustee Banerjee. Here. Trustee Hernandez. Here. Trustee Avalada. Here. Trustee Bouquet. Here. Trustee Charland is absent today. Trustee Shequin. Here. Trustee Jensen. And uh, Trustee Peterson. Here. We have a quorum. Excellent. And our first item is our public speaker, Mr. Berlinger. We'd love to hear from you again. I had the pleasure of visiting the island and speaking with some folks from Alameda uh, Hospital this week and uh, was thinking about you when I did. Hello. I'm Olive Blanchard, and from, I'm from Park Village. The Rehabilitation uh, Awareness Center. And probably when you heard my name just now, you thought, oh, what's he got a bitch bone and complain about now? Right? But it's not that at all. First of all, it's a good day to be alive. All right. And uh, you can see that I've changed my hat from my old hat because I went to the A's opener today. So that's a part of a good thing. And also, we had a couple of big cheeses from Alameda House System come to talk to our staff last Friday, I believe. And uh, we had Dr. Lewis and Dr. Mark. And we, we appreciate it very much when, because sometimes the staff feels that they're at the bottom of the toilet bowl. And so if they can get information from the people who know, it, it's really good. And uh, now I didn't come to moan and complain today. I came because like I said, it's a good day to be alive, and every day is a good day to be alive. So I wanted to say thank you for a couple of things that have happened at Park Bridge. One of the things that uh, you may have noticed if you've been by there is that they fix the parking lot where the staff parks and where the guests park. It was going to be a little trip. Really bare. I mean, in some of the places, there were holes where you could see the dirt underneath. And I had mentioned it to somebody during a resident council meeting. And then somebody else came up and said, well, what are you talking about? And we went out and looked at it. And that was months ago. And then just recently, we had a crew come out and look it all up, take it all out, and we paid it, and they did a wonderful job on it. So there was money well spent. And I know also that you guys are, or somebody is working on the roof, getting the roof fixed. Uh, you know, these are things that most of the residents aren't even aware of that's, that's happening because they're not things that they can see on a normal day. But the work is for their health and safety, and it's going to cost them some big bucks, I know. But uh, as soon as the rain stops, we, we expect that it will be worked on. 
So thank you very much. I just wanted to, to come in because we do need to let you guys know that we are appreciative of what happens. It's our life. It's the way we spend uh, from now until we go on to see Jesus. And uh, for, for a lot of people there. There are a lot of people, of course, that are being rehabilitated, get themselves fixed up and ready to go out and meet the world. So thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Wellinger. And, and I never, uh, I'm never afraid of having you come speak. I absolutely appreciate it. You're a good barometer for how we're doing out on the island. Uh, I know sometimes you're going to come and bring us some bad news, and sometimes you're going to bring us good news. Uh, but if you didn't show up and bring us news, I'd be worried. So thank, thank you for your presence. I really appreciate it. Real quick. All right. Uh, so now we are going on to our agenda. I think the first item is our medical staff reports. And uh, Dr. Ballard, do you want to start? And so the first one on the list. Sure. So we, um, so we presented our credential reports and our um, professional contracts reports. They were approved uh, across the board, both by our MEC and QPSC. Um, in terms of the topics that we covered in this past month's meetings, the, the highlights were the um, seismic report on the wings, and I, I won't uh, go into how many nights I've slept in the wings for you guys, but um, that we're all really reassured and grateful that that topic is back on the agenda and that we're discussing it and we're moving forward. Um, there's a lot of people whose offices are over there who spend an enormous amount of time and, and feeling that we're safe while we're at work is, is a huge plus. So um, hopefully that conversation will start moving forward for a safe um, retrofitting if that's necessary. The surge red topic uh, is going to be a monthly ongoing topic until we've resolved it. And there's uh, an enormous amount of work that's being done now by many people. The True North Metrics, um, I send Dr. Hussein's praises once again because our patient um, satisfaction scores are as the highest they've ever been. And um, Sapphire, uh, we're all discussing how to get trained, how to be super people, <laughs> and training trainers and all of these different levels of uh, engagement as we go forward. And I think everyone's excited and nervous, and it's a long time coming. I think I closed out with a, an impassioned plea that we um, improve the relationships between the physicians and the executives in, bo in both directions. And um, uh, that's basically all of my report. All right, thank you. Uh, Dr. Marzu? Uh, yes, uh, thank you. We also presented the, the physicians uh, for uh, credentials and uh, privileges which we accepted. Uh, we discussed uh, uh, primarily our uh, specialty coverage uh, for uh, neurology as being a more of the acute uh, specialty coverage. Uh, that was, uh, and that is uh, being addressed uh, uh, as well as uh, our pending, <coughs> excuse me, uh, pending uh, uh, cardiology retirement of our cardiologist at Alameda Hospital and, uh, and uh, concerns for uh, 
uh, achieving uh, adequate specialty coverage, particularly neurology, also uh, gastroenterology as well as, uh, and the, the transfer process uh, still is, uh, I mean, has some hiccups, but they're obviously being addressed, and uh, particularly with the recent presentation about the transfer process. So that's uh, essentially my report. Thank you. Dr. Jenner? Thank you. Um, again, uh, my report submitted. I'm sure you've been able to look at that. Uh, credential and privileges, there were no issues other than there's one physician who's had uh, restricted privileges, and there's an outside review being initiated to further evaluate some quality issue that we're working on. No report required at this stage yet, but uh, we're working on that diligently. Um, the uh, True North met metrics were there. There were some issues and concerns which uh, from social services staffing them. And um, there has been an agreement to have an ongoing dialogue and presentation to the MEC to be sure that that's well covered at the local facility. Um, the medical staff integration with the uh, Highland medical staff is uh, going well. Uh, we've had an amicable, amicable agreement after some discussion. Um, and I think that that will proceed forward. The revised version of the uh, Highland bylaws is, is ongoing. We had some discussion about um, the um, accreditation or credentialing of the physicians, and there has to be apparently per legal um, an application process, which uh, Satira has worked on to come up with an abbreviated a simple version of that to prevent uh, undue delay and work for them. Um, but I think that should be uh, appropriate. Sapphire report, big concerns there for the transition, of course, as everywhere. Um, and uh, Mr. Fonseca is working on some spaces to facilitate the workspaces for the providers. Um, you did get a report from Mr. Fonseca about the upcoming challenges in the budget for next year. Um, furthermore, the Blue Cross contract negotiations are ongoing. That's been a concern about the community physicians to be able to bring their physicians there. Hopefully that will be resolved shortly. Um, and then uh, another concern was the staffing in the medical, uh, the emergency department, um, and uh, having adequate throughput with the diminished beds upstairs ongoing hopefully will improve with the uh, restoration of a number of the beds on the third floor once the construction is complete for the, uh, the transition to rehab at San Leandro. That concludes the report. Thank you. <clears throat> I'm glad to hear the uh, conversations with ABC are going well. Thanks for that. Uh, trustees, any questions? Nope. All right, great. Thank you, guys. Uh, folks, um, so I guess that's, that brings me to my report. Um, I don't, I'm not going to spend a lot of time um, I'm happy to see, to say that further down the agenda we'll be discussing um, some of the work some of us have done around uh, our, our medical group. Uh, it's kind of exciting thing that I got to spend a little bit of time on over the last month. Um, I uh, also want to point out that, and I sent an email to the trustees, and um, but I failed to include the attachment, so I apologize. I need to send that. But we need... Um, uh, we need applicants for our Homeless Health Center co-applicant board. 
as many of you recall, we had to create a separate board for healthcare for the homeless that uh, as, as the co-applicant with, with Allegheny County. Uh, we went through this process a few years ago and we created a board, um, but now we have, we've created another board. <clears throat> and so we, we have, um, uh, I'm, I'm gonna ask all of you uh, to think about people that you may know that may be qualified. I've, I've got a, a document that I realized I didn't attach in the email I sent you, so I would forward that. Um, but it's, it's going to be important that we find people that have some experience uh, either in homelessness or, or working with people who have experienced homelessness. Um, they have to, uh, people that have been active AHS patients. Um, there's a whole list, I'm not going to go through them all, but I just want to flag that again. Um, I will send the document. It's really important that we get some names so that we get that board up and running. Um, and I don't recall if I had anything else important that I need to. I think that's it. And if not, I'll just take the liberty as the president to blurt it out at some other point during the meeting. Did you Did you want to say anything now about the, uh, the April retreat? Oh, the April retreat. No, uh, we have a retreat in April. Um, it's coming up. The primary focus will be the budget. Um, I don't know. Um, we, we do have to have some internal discussions with, about some other potential items under, under quality. But we haven't um, had that conversation yet. Um, but just make sure you mark your calendars for it because it's a pretty important one. Um, and we have a gala in May. That's right. And so spend your money, buy your tickets because it's going to pay for our electronic culture. And this time it's back out of the, uh, it's at the uh, Ruby Winery, which, um, you know, I have to say that um, I've had a good time at that winery at Past Gallery, so I'm really looking forward to that gala, so I'm really looking forward to it again. It's it a great venue. It sounds like a three session discussion. <laughs> I'll just leave it at that. I still push no one. No, we just dance. We have a good time. It's a really nice venue, so I really highly encourage people to, to, to do it again. Um, and I'll, I'll get on with business now. So, um, when does that take us to? I think. Uh, yes, thank you. That's yes, sir. That is you. Yes. Take it away, sir. Thank you. So, uh, good evening, uh, trustees and, and guests. Always good to see everyone. Uh, we uh, occasionally have opportunities to share uh, mission moments, and I know how important that is to you. So, uh, I'm going to ask um, Dave to tee up a video that we've been sharing uh, in our um, um, in our employee uh, town halls uh, about some of the complex scale work we do. That really just highlights the work of our staff and the, uh, the the community and the patients we serve. It's about a four minute video, so I'll give you indulgence, but I think you know, it'll be worth your while. So, uh, Bill, if you could just go ahead and show that. I'm a community health outreach worker. I am a patient advocate and I uh, connect patients with resources in the community. I often uh, go to appointments and accompany patients and really I just am like the bridge between the provider and the patient. Our complex care program consists of an RM case manager, a social worker, and a community health worker. They are embedded in our primary care clinics. They integrate within the clinic with primary care providers. We care for very high-risk patients, and those patients require care coordination across uh, multiple specialties. I met uh, Anthony in May of 2018, and uh, when I first met him, he had a cirrhosis. He has a diabetes, high blood pressure, 
high cholesterol, and uh, his ammonia levels were really high. I met his sisters at the same time that I met him because he was just very confused and he wanted the complex care team to speak with his family. The complex care program, um, I remember Dr. Lake mentioning it to us when we met Gladys and the, the nurse um, that came to this house and, um, and they were amazing. Both of them were amazing and just followed through with everything. Uh, a big concern because he wasn't really taking his medication as prescribed, mainly because he was forgetting. We brainstormed ways to help him remember to take his medication, and uh, we actually used our resources here in, in the Haley Wellness Center. Uh, we uh, used the urine cup, <laughs> sterile urine cups, very clean, uh, but you know that's what we have here, and uh, we used that and. Uh, cookie sheet uh, from his home to create this uh, medicine, like a medication reminder system for him. And we gotta use what we have, right? He still needed something else, which was a, a new liver. We vouched for him to, to uh, be evaluated for a liver transplant consideration. She drove all the way out to San Francisco more than once. And she was with me for all my talks with the doctors. And she would ask questions that I would forget. She had it all written down in a binary. She's the one that kind of got me to do the operation, too, because I didn't know if I wanted to do it. I was afraid. And she kept hugging me and says, yeah, yeah, you need to do it and this and that and the other thing. So I did. Dr. Lake was such a preventative doctor, preventative medicine, you know? And Gladys, she's been nothing but helpful. She's been just so good to me and keeping an eye on me and asking me questions all the time. She's got me going to a nutritionist down there now. We recognized Dr. Lake and, and Gladys in our, in our weekly gratitude rounds during the autumn. Um, in front of the team and Gladys said, you know, I'm just doing my job and, and what I wanted to refresh with the team was it's when we design systems and have resources in place uh, such as this, this collaboration between primary care and complex care and embedding it in the home, the medical home, then people just do their jobs and great outcomes happen. I would like to thank Gladys and Dr. Lake for saving my brother. I am just grateful and very privileged to have had that opportunity to help Anthony and his family. I know that because I live, other people's lives is better. And to me, that's just a huge, like, just satisfaction. Thank uh, obviously uh, uh, Gladys and uh, all the providers uh, who uh, uh, in the video, but also our, our um, uh, Terry and our uh, Peace team for capturing stories like this and allowing us to share them with our uh, staff. It's been very well received when we do our town halls and just a really uh, good embodiment of what we're all here to do and, and uh, reflection of our mission. So thank you for, for uh, indulging me on that. Um, one quick housekeeping, uh, the QPSC got to do this, but we are really thrilled. Uh, you've heard us talk for quite a while about uh, recruiting a new um, 
uh, Chief Nursing Executive and uh, Chief Administrative Officer for our acute, acute services. And, uh, Janet McInnes is here now, and uh, she is right behind us. So Janet, if you could be I uh, want to say congratulations to Luis for um, uh, successfully recruiting Janet, and uh, we're very excited to have her here and look forward to uh, and there's some great work that she'll help us with. So I've called this down to four things that I want to walk through today. Uh, admittedly, one, the system updates will be a little uh, lengthy, so bear with me, and the others will zip through. Uh, so. Uh, with that, uh, the performance dashboard, as you know, you received these uh, last week. Uh, uh, the performance is still continuing to trend in the right direction. Point in fact, we're still uh, only at target for about half of these, but we forecast that uh, many of the ones where we're not quite there yet are going in the right direction, and we expect that we'll be able to get there. And there's been a lot of talk about the progress we've been making on uh, patient experience uh, through some great concerted effort and uh, work of um, Dr. Tanvi Hussain and his team. Uh, um, don't know if we'll actually hit those targets this year, but certainly uh, really thrilled with the uh, core work that's setting a good platform for us to, um, to proceed and continue to have success in this area. Uh, so I'll go into system updates, and I'll spend a little time in here. I just want to say uh, uh, to the board that a great deal of what I call mission-based or mission-driven good is really continuing all across our system. Uh, things like, obviously, our SAFAR uh, program uh, or EHR Go Live and our preparations for that. Uh, we received uh, recently the Link Learning Champion Award from the Link Learning Alliance, which is sort of a statewide coalition of um, uh, educators and employers and um, uh, nonprofits that are really designed to uh, promote linked learning, uh, which is experiential based learning for students throughout uh, public school systems throughout the state. And you know that we have a very robust program under Health Path, which is like multi-modal. A lot of programs that go through Oakland, and here in the, uh, the picture with me is the uh, superintendent of Oakland Unified, uh, who we all recognized in speaking at this national or this uh, statewide conference recently. But we were recognized along with uh, a couple of other organizations this year, but we joined a lot of the <coughs> Children's Hospital has received this award before Kaiser in Los Angeles and others, so we're really proud of that work that we've supported and that, that we've been able to do. Uh, we also got recognition recently by the uh, Diversity Recruitment Network uh, as a top organization for um, diversity spirit achievement, and this is all about organizations that support and try to promote uh, within the organization and their community diversity, diversity in recruitment and in hiring and, and the like for the organization, and that's our recruitment team, uh, or members of our recruitment team receiving that award. Uh, I want to um, uh, give a shout out to Dr. Charlotte Rose, who's spoken to, I think it was Autumn and Compliance Committee recently, um, about some of the throughput challenges. She's our uh, program director for emergency medicine, and she was recently the um, uh, recipient of the Residency Director of the Year Award from the Emergency Medicine Residents Association. Uh, I'll definitely say congratulations to our, um, our training programs. They recruited, yet again, another stellar class of um, diverse and talented uh, residents that will be joining the organization next year. Uh, so while that good is going on, you know, the budget process continues, and that's what's really uh, kind of front of mind for a lot of folks in the organization now. We're uh, finishing up the latter part of the budget submission process uh, that was completed last week and uh, beginning today. We've started the reviews with uh, our administrative and clinical leaders to um, kind of dissect what people have submitted and where we are um, um, in terms of our variance from our target and trying to, trying to close that gap. So unfortunately, 
uh, I think it's fair to say that while all the good work uh, that I've recognized in others, uh, things are, are happening in the organization or continuing in the organization, uh, so too continues the mounting pressures on AHS and organizations like ours to contain and reduce expenses in the face of uh, declining reimbursement, mounting regulatory challenges, and the increasing complexities of care and support needs of the patients we serve. Uh, it's not lost upon me or this board, I know. Those challenges impact those very patients we serve. Uh, it certainly impacts our providers and our staff as well, who work diligently to serve our community uh, with a level of fidelity to our mission that's quite admirable. This chart uh, is a chart we've been showing in our, uh, our town halls, as you heard some of the chief of staff's reference. Uh, it shows the revenue and expense projections for FY20, but it also shows kind of the trend from budget last year to actual and to the budget for next year. Uh, we are seeing, as you've heard, a reduction in our net patient revenue uh, that's expected to carry forward into next year, as well as a combination of decreases in our supplemental revenues. Uh, it is an evident at this point that we will need to lean heavily on our county partners as the fiscal circumstances around us evolve in this increasingly difficult manner. AHS administrative and clinical leaders continue to promote the level of fiscal accountability uh, that the county and this board expects of the organization. However, uh, we are collectively concerned that future efforts uh, to contain expenses are challenging at best and at worst potentially dangerous. With the success of our productivity enhancements and expense optimization efforts and non-payroll expenses in this current year, uh, the next year's budget forecasts that more than 70% of our expenses will be in payroll in wages and benefits. If we're too aggressive in our attempts to reduce these costs, uh, we do risk compromising efforts that our staff, this board, and the county expects of us to pursue, create, and sustain a high level of quality of care to our patients and a work experience for the talented men and women who serve this community. As such, it is my fervent belief uh, that we must take time now to work with our partners and other stakeholders to examine our scope of services and this organization, as well as the delivery model that we uh, have to determine what changes uh, we can collectively make to ensure that this vital safety net continues to evolve and continues to meet the needs of our community. Uh, hopefully you remember this uh, slide. I used it in last month's uh, presentation. Um, uh, as I described then, this unstable ground that we're uh, uh, seeing ahead is, is not just literal, uh, or not just figurative, it is, it is literal. As we embark further along this uh, path, uh, the leadership and this board uh, may continue to uh, face uncomfortable positions that we have to make that may be perceived as contrary to the interests of the partners that we, we work with every day. Uh, nonetheless, I know uh, that these decisions will be guided by the same set of values and goals that the board has promoted over the last few years. I think it's important for us to revisit some of the things that you've enabled us to do uh, to level set for all of us where we are, uh, where we have been, as we contemplate the concerning signs ahead. This is our, 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 our chart of our roadmap for our strategic plan. And over the past three years, with this board's support, AHS has been working to advance our journey towards population health and systemness as central components of our vision to improve the health of our diverse community. It's easy to forget many of the laudable advances that have been enabled over the course of these years. For example, in population health, uh, we've done uh, primary care capitation. We've enabled and grew e-consult as a uh, delivery model. We've expanded home health resources in our community. Uh, we've improved and, and, and enabled high quality uh, performances through Prime and, G and, and the Quality Incentive Program. Uh, we have as anchored, uh, enabled and um, um, 
started anchor institution efforts for local contracting and hiring, uh, primary health and behavioral health integration, health path, as I mentioned before, and a focus on diversity and inclusion for recruiting and hiring. On the system side, with again, the board support, we've uh, been able to uh, achieve wage parity, largely, uh, with particularly significant increases over the last couple of years at our community hospitals. Uh, we've had facility and uh, equipment upgrades. Uh, we've done great time reimbursements in our core uh, for, our, for our nurses, and we've invested, as you know, in Sapphire and Epic. We've done creation of Alameda Health Partners, we have Relocation, Leadership Academy, and Physician Wellness Resources. All of these efforts were done with an eye towards being true to our mission and our vision for the community first and foremost, and doing this by trying to honor our commitments to our most valuable resources, our doctors, nurses, pharmacists, housekeepers, food service workers, and others. Some of these efforts have been more challenging than others. Uh, for example, there's a reason why you know, uh, our wages at our community hospitals were below market, debts were mounting, and capital investments were deferred. Uh, however, we've worked together to take this on, and we've done so with our commitment to our core values. We also did this with a level of fiscal accountability that I believe is commendable for an organization with the size and complexity of AHS. So while we continue to advocate at a state and federal level for the funding resources we need, the pace of declining revenue is just too difficult to withstand, uh, as we have been able to do in the most recent past. As you've seen over the course of this current year, our staff have been remarkable at trimming costs where we can to manage expenses while maintaining quality. We're also doing a solid job at going after reimbursement for those services we deliver and demonstrating good results in this effort. We've been using town halls, staff meetings, and other settings to engage our leaders uh, and keep them apprised of the opportunities and challenges before us. For the most part, I've been really impressed with the level of accountability and collective engagement of our staff and leaders as they help us to sharpen our pencils and creatively seek additional ways to improve access and productivity and trim excess costs and improve reimbursement. Uh, further efforts to bend the cost curve to the levels necessary for fiscal sustainability are virtually impossible without some tough trade-offs. Uh, can we do more? Absolutely. Uh, but the things that we need to do next, I would say, are rarely come as a matter of routine course, certainly for an organization like ours, and cannot be done without a high degree of internal and external alignment to ensure that we are collectively marshalling our limited resources in the most optimal way uh, to support the organization. As you well know, some of our opportunities for systemness that we've been pursuing of late have caused great consternation in some parts of the organization. With your support, we have persevered in many of these efforts because of a belief that we will put AHS on a path for greater integration and success in the future. The unavoidable consequence of many of these activities is that they often do impact the lives of our nurses, doctors, and other staff in appreciably challenging ways. I applaud the board's willingness to make the right and comparatively easier call to wage raises uh, or to raise wages and to invest in the organization when resources are available. Similarly, I commend this board when austerity and prudence requires you to make a tough call or tougher calls uh, that may result in things like loss in wages, service contract eliminations, and legal actions. It's my sincere hope that our union partners, our physicians, the counties, and others will stand with you and us in both circumstances and know that even when we disagree, uh, there is never a battle between us. Rather, it is one that we continue to wage together on behalf of our patients and our community. Um, that's really what I wanted to convey because I know that uh, uh, over the course of this month and I think in the ensuing months, um, uh, these, the pressures that we are facing really uh, 
uh, are, are real and they're palpable in the organization and certainly I know with you and external to the organization. So I really do think uh, uh, as a CEO, I want to make sure that we are all mindful of uh, the tough challenges that we face. We don't take them lightly. We understand uh, the challenges that we're facing and we really do want to create and promote the same level of comedy and uh, collegiality that has gotten us this far, uh, particularly as, as a necessary component to get through, uh, through this and to the other side. So the rest of this is just uh, um, um, uh, sort of uh, routine updates for you. Our capital planning process for the county uh, uh, continues. Unfortunately, not a lot of uh, movement here, but there are a lot of competing things going on, and I appreciate that. But uh, what we have done of late is we did certify that the FY16 uh, reimbursement uh, that we have projected from the capital cost for the county um, uh, to the tune of about $4.4 million was validated by the county, and uh, we're in the process of transferring those dollars to the county uh, uh, as we speak. Um, on the kitchen relocation, this is the Alameda Rehab Project. Um, we have met the April 1 deadline uh, and actually in the process of doing some clarification, but we submitted the uh, required communication to the state to say that we were going to proceed with this effort. Um, uh, as I mentioned, doing some back and forth. And as I mentioned in my uh, written update to you all, uh, I want to actually publicly thank, I had a meeting this morning with the leaders of the, uh, or with some leaders of the Alameda Healthcare District, the board chair and the uh, uh, administrator for the district to talk about the challenges that face us in the face of actually knowing about this um, or the commitment that we've made to um, uh, seismically retrofit Alameda to be able to continue to provide acute services up to 2030. Um, we had what is understandably a, a not so welcome discussion, uh, but we're all professional. I shared my thoughts, which are that uh, I do still think that there are uh, some higher and better utilities uh, for the 18 to 20 million dollar investment we're about to embark upon and they similarly share their uh, position that they still think that needs to happen so while you know uh, those those ideas may be um, uh, valid ideas um, they, they stand uh, committed to uh, the, the position that the community uh, expects and wants to have an acute uh, have an emergency room in a, in a key facility, even if that size is scaled uh, differently. So uh, just as a sort of ending point, I mentioned that as we continue along this process, uh, I will continue to communicate with uh, other stakeholders, including the county and perhaps even the public, about uh, the pressures we're facing to see if there's some uh, consideration of alternatives. Uh, uh, I do look forward to partnering with them on this effort. And wherever we land, obviously recognizing that we need support to move forward with all of this, uh, to be honest. Uh, uh, we'll do. We're not uh, shirking our responsibility. Uh, we're just trying to recognize that there's a lot of things that we're looking at from an operational standpoint and a capital standpoint now in the face of the looming uh, fiscal, I don't want to say crisis, but it is a, you know, it's a pretty significant uh, 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 headwinds that we face uh, that everything is up for, for consideration. So, uh, But I want to again thank them for being, uh, indulging me and the team in having that conversation. On the project side, I will just zip through this. Uh, fortunately, there's not uh, any bad news to share. Things are really going well. Um, as you might imagine, um, and with any project, uh, we get to a point where you have some in inflows and outflows. So we've had some over of, of staff, uh, but uh, overwhelming. Um, uh, so the project has been able to stay on uh, a point. Uh, this is the February update where Epic is collaborating that 
still to this day, we've stayed four out of five, and that's been really remarkable, and he's not in any short order through some incredible work by the staff. They even point out in some of the uh, commentary that they had a separate epic team that's not assigned to the uh, project come and evaluate the project, and we all agree that we were still on, on, on target for uh, the work that we were, or the status of, of the project right now. So this is just uh, work on what's coming next. Um, uh, some, we're still in the middle of the testing process. Uh, we're launching the training effort. People are starting to sign up to be super users and uh, certified trainers. Uh, that process will come later. Um, uh, so that's, this is just more detail on the uh, focuses, uh, focus coming up for next month. And then finally, um, uh, we are still well ahead of budget for the prog uh, project. Our spend now is about $27 million behind where we had expected to be at this point. We've done some further forecasting to um, uh, look four years out, and we do see this gap closing. So we don't see that uh, as, a, as a sustainable uh, savings that we can, uh, we can bank on. But we do see that we will, or our forecast is that we will stay under the project budget, but just close it down a little bit as the years uh, continue the project. So with that, I couldn't leave without doing one thing. Tomorrow is Nancy Katz's last day, and I know if, if we, yeah, I can't believe it's here. Um, Nancy has been absolutely incredible and has been just an invaluable resource to uh, uh, to the executive team, to the finance team, and to the entire organization. Um, we will sorely miss her. Uh, we are working and are, are, are just about done with having an acting CEO, or CFO, sorry. I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> um, unless she takes me to Hawaii. And I think she said no. Um, um, uh, we have an uh, acting uh, CFO that we'll be announcing uh, shortly. Uh, the recruitment process continues. Uh, we, have, we had a, a strong candidate, and uh, uh, for various reasons, that's not coming out. But we still do have a strong pool, and uh, uh, we're going to continue to explore uh, other candidates uh, in this process and hope to have good news on that part soon. But um, uh, Nancy, we will miss you. Um, she's not going too far, though. She has uh, agreed to help us out on an intermittent basis uh, as we continue, and that's going to be incredible job of too. So with that. I'm happy to entertain any questions. I have a question. First, I just want to acknowledge Nancy. Thank you so much. Uh, you really came here um, in, a, in a serious transition moment for us. And um, didn't always bring us the best news, but um, you, you brought it with honesty and with integrity. And I think you certainly helped to right the ship and make sure that we're looking at real numbers and um, and uh, can, can uh, know that we're moving forward with some sense of reliability. Um, if we keep telling you that tomorrow is Thursday, can you yes. just get this? Nail the door shut. Her crowd might not be where she left it. No, but really, it's really been a pleasure, and, and you've, you've done work supporting the system before you came here with Toyan, and, and, and that helped us as well. And so um, I just hope we can find somebody uh, that won't be able to fill your shoes, but will wear a pair of shoes that are almost as good. So thank you. Thank you. And, and with that, uh, Trustee Jetson. Thank you. Thank you, Nancy, as well. And, yeah, it's going to be a challenge, and unfortunately, we won't be there to help us with it. Um, I have, my question is about the, um, the seismic at Alameda Hospital. And so, um, just to be clear, the, the application or, or what was submitted for April 1st mm -hmm. is a request for an extension. Uh, so, uh, per AB 2190, what we had to submit to the state was 
demonstration that we are going to meet the debt line. So AB90 gave two new debt lines. If you were retrofitting, it gave you until July 1 of 2022 right. to meet the compliance of your uh, rebuilding, it gave you until 2025. Right. We submitted saying we're going to, our plan calls for us under the current construct to be done by July of 2020. Is that right? June of 2020, so June of next year. Um, uh, and we submitted that letter to the state. We asked the state though to give us until December of 2020, and we're reconciling <coughs> that piece with them well ahead of the deadline right. if we continue along this path. And we plan to bring the uh, uh, the proposal to finance committee next next month. But to be clear, it, it, this, it, it, it would be possible, uh, potentially possible. I, these are the timelines that you've submitted to Oshpad and to the state, but. What was the consideration for going further, for requesting an extension to the, the ultimate extension to, to, the, 20, to the 2022 deadline? So we haven't done that yet because we wanted to stay uh, um, in fidelity with what we've been sharing with you and what we've been sharing with the district. As you uh, know, uh, um, we, we're, we're trying to uh, maintain a level of uh, collegiality and trust, uh, notwithstanding our challenges, and so we're, we're sensitive to shifting the, uh, uh, the, the, the dates on our own accord. Um, if that's something that the board, uh, uh, as we, and you know, we're not talking about it now, but uh, if that's something that we uh, need to explore, I think we have the ability to do so. We haven't asked people that. Right, so I, I just want to be clear that this was the, the, the confirmation that the project was continuing, the confirmation and the, um, the advisement to OSHPAD that it would not be at the, Done by the first of the initial deadline, we would take a, we might take advantage of the extension to December. No, we, we will, so we're absolutely taking advantage of the uh, the, the extension. Um, that and, and we, we we invoke that by submitting this letter. So submitting the letter gives us the ability now to go out to 2022. Uh, okay. But we we're submitting the letter and saying that we're going to go out to 2020, not to 2022. Um, and just get, but we all, it's a matter of finances. We have all the, the plans and, and the um, design that's all been in place and web close has been um, engaged, so. They've been engaged to give us a, yeah. a, a GMP uh, uh, proposal. And so, yeah, we, that, that, that process continues. Uh, but you'll, you know, you'll get it and you'll make some determinations as a board for, for uh, how we proceed. And part of that may be informed by, as you know, we're, uh, we're uh, scheduled to start a conversation with the county uh, uh, next month around uh, this challenge as well. Does that answer your question? Okay. No one has any other questions for our CEO? Mm -hmm. I did. That's okay. Yeah, I did. <laughs> I was wondering uh, if you might share um, the reaction of staff to the budget chart that you um, provided us and provided, you said in the time. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, so the, we, we've had kind of two slices of, of, of discussions. Uh, one was, uh, I think we mentioned to the Finance Committee, we, um, with the board's uh, uh, suggestion and support, we, we selected, we've done this in past years too, uh, is sort of a random sampling of clinical and administrative leaders uh, to have the conversation with them 
first. And this was a different conversation. This was a conversation where we shared uh, kind of the, the signs of what we were seeing and then proceeded to have a, um, a series of discussions around some pre-scripted ideas for cost containment that we would put together, opening up the prospect that they could submit uh, other ideas or share other ideas that we would consider, but recognizing that they were all gnarly things. And this, you know, were things like uh, wage freezes, things like payrolls, things like benefits adjustment, and really just trying to get feedback from them about, you know, what is the probability of this, how might we pursue it if we had to, and just what are the consequences of that. Very, a very, um, uh, I thought, a great conversation, um, um, particularly amongst our, our physician leaders, but also others around how to think about these things, and not just from a sort of fiscal perspective, but from a patient care perspective. So, so that was a good um, uh, discussion that uh, helped to be a data points for us for how to pursue these things if we need to. Uh, the second level has been the town halls, and I think uh, I would lean to uh, my colleagues who have been leading those. I've been in uh, two of them, but um, I appreciate the fact that I don't have to do them anymore. Um, uh, but I think the, the, the reactions for the ones that I've been in have been quite, um, I say, reassuring. Uh, people have not uh, been overly jarred by it. Obviously, it's not uh, comforting news, but then people have been sort of brainstorming in real time about what are we considering about, uh, for example, when we did it at, at um, um, the um, Creekside facility, a lot of the EHR staff are like, well, what, what, what will Epic allow us to do, like, in terms of, like, you know, can we pursue an ACO model, or can we look at, you know, other sorts of incentive programs under uh, uh, EHR, what used to be called Meaningful Use, and other sorts of things. People have been very creative in, in owning this and leaning in with us. Um, obviously, you know, a little bit of trepidation for what it means, and certainly for our labor partners, a, a very uh, uncomfortable set of things to consider. So I don't know if Tony or Luis or uh, Nancy, if you guys want to add anything to that. Okay. Does that answer Yeah, well, thank you. I would, I would just note, too, that uh, in a public um, system like this one, there is transparency around the budget. And so this uh, board meeting and uh, finance committee meetings are a great place to uh, gather information if you're a stakeholder within the system. So uh, I, I just make that point that unlike a uh, corporation where decisions are going to be made behind doors, uh, decisions around the budget are going to be uh, discussed in public and in this format. And there's actually an opportunity to provide input inside the podium right there. So I would uh, say that as we move towards very difficult decisions. Thank you. I, if I may add, uh, we have also, and I think we shared this with the Finance Committee, we've also engaged uh, or been uh, communicating with our uh, main partners in the community too, so, and letting them know, so, because we understand these things, we don't operate in a silo, so, uh, we've talked to leaders at the CFC and we have joint uh, leadership meetings where we share this information and kind of kept them apprised and said we would as we move forward. I want to partner if there's some ideas that we can uh, look at to kind of look at uh, service delivery or what have you. Uh, the alliance, we've talked to leaders there. We even, we had a meeting Monday with uh, our partners at Kaiser, mainly uh, in the IT and strategy space, so they're going to update on the uh, project and how we are uh, performing there. Uh, but we take the opportunity to let them know as well um, uh, and, and just offer, you know, just sort of a status. Um, and we wanted to make very clear to them that uh, one of the things we're really appreciative of is that this really does appear to be, as you know, a um, 
a, a, a liability, so a crude liability as well as a revenue issue, the project has been performing well as far as uh, TCO and budget projections. So it's not that that that's mushrooming one to be clearer then as a as a major contributor to in order for us to do that. That that was not a job of this. No? Okay, great. Well, thank you for your report. I certainly touched on what's on everybody's mind. <clears throat> and I'm sure there'll be lots of uh, juicy conversations to come about all of these topics. Yes, sir. Shall we go to our committee reports? Sure. Yes, so, Finance Committee, um, as you may have uh, gathered already, uh, we're moving into very interesting times. Uh, the good news first, uh, and I should say, my appreciation and Nancy as well. One of the things I've noticed, um, very short tenure as a finance committee chair, is I really trust our numbers. I look for, uh, when I've sat uh, on finance committees for other organizations, I always look for fidelity of the numbers. Are they moving around? Can I trust them? And I, I can tell you, uh, Nancy's really, um, I, I, I was here prior to Nancy, so I, I, I think we've improved uh, around the quality of of the, uh, the data going into our finance report. So deep, deeply appreciative of that. Um, it really makes a difference because as we move towards planning, uh, we need to be able to trust uh, the data in front of us. And I, I think we're in a good place there. Let's start with that. So the, the good news is that through uh, January, we're actually on uh, the EBITDA goal, um, just, just so 0.1% underneath uh, that goal. We are under uh, revenue projections as assumed in the budget, but uh, on track uh, with the anticipated um, under uh, revenue that we expected uh, in that patient service revenue um, that, uh, again, Nancy helped us uh, find and uh, uh, predict uh, what our level of loss for the year would, would be in. The anticipation was uh, 27 to 29 million, and it looks like we're on track to be that much off, not more, not less, which is, uh, or, you know, certainly in that range. So that helps, again, uh, clarify where we are. But the good news is we're currently on track. Um, and the other element that's really important to uh, acknowledge is that staff management has done a wonderful job of cost savings initiatives to get us uh, the sort of savings we need to, to keep on um, our budget. <coughs> I know that's not easy, uh, but uh, I know a lot of work goes into that, but it, it's certainly helping us stay there. Um, supplemental uh, income was 3% of our budget uh, year to date. Uh, and again, along with those management cost savings, uh, we have realized uh, we're, we're generally on track with the budget. Now, I attended the last uh, half hour of the PBC, and I want to quote uh, Trustee Cat, who, uh, when, when discussing, this will be a bad paraphrase, discussing uh, data, mentioned that what's really important data is to follow the trends. And I think this is, I was thinking about it, sitting there, and I was thinking, this is actually true for finance as well. So you've got to have good data, and then you need to not look at moments, but you need to look at the trend. And uh, so we're, we're in a tale of two forecasts right now. The first forecast is the forecast of how we're going to end the year. And 
that forecast is generally good news. It looks like we're honoring the goal. The forecast that's troubling is the forecast that's a 12-month rolling forecast. And so that's a trending uh, uh, a report that staff prepares for us. I think it, it makes, uh, puts us in a good position in this uh, institution, within the system to understand where we're moving towards and then respond to it, not in the moment, but beforehand. It's, you know, lovely to have two years beforehand, but we do have months uh, before we have to uh, approve a budget. And so that's where we are right now. The, uh, I'm not going to say much about the details of that shortfall, but uh, in essence, uh, 12 months out, we don't have an even at all. So we have uh, somewhere uh, short of $100 million to make up more in our budget. Uh, that's largely due, as uh, Vivek, you mentioned, uh, due to uh, shortfalls in revenue. And of course, on the expense side, we're in healthcare. Uh, there isn't uh, a, a savings that we're going to experience. Uh, just naturally, we're going to have to find it and make decisions about how to get there. We don't have a lot of options on the revenue side. We're sort of stuck with what we get. So this makes it a very, very difficult situation. Um, I'm going to move on here so we can... The other issue that staff is going to give us more detail about later, and, and I encourage trustees and, and the public to pay attention to, there's early great challenges around cash flow. This institution does not have a healthy set of reserves. It has an adequate uh, reserve policy to deal with um, areas of risk, which uh, include, for example, uh, Medi-Cal waiver dollars that uh, go through a cost settlement process, which the state has now indicated they're going to do for several years. And that is likely to cause uh, staff will give us more details, but a very large number, uh, if I recall, uh, close to 200 million, should we in that range still? Yeah, I think it's one. It's, a, it's like, it's about one, um, about 100 million that we owe in waiver dollars, yeah. but on top of that we have the challenge from the operation. Yeah, 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 sorry, the, the, the combinations too. Yeah. So, but, don't let me make it worse than it is. It's And that issue is important because it's not a, so much a budgetary issue. It's because there are uh, theoretically reserves to cover that. The problem is those reserves are being used for our cash flow. And so our arrangement with the uh, county for the additional cash flow will not be adequate. Uh, if, if something doesn't change. So that's a very significant uh, additional pressure on the system. I'm going to wrap up there by saying that um, I, I do think as we move into our retreat, it would be a good time to talk about these issues. I was reminded also, uh, attending at the end of the QPC, that um, we are a healthcare system. And we should not be overwhelmed by these challenges around the budget. We should remind ourselves that healthcare, quality healthcare, is still the primary thing we're all about. And that finances are really the way we get there. I'll end with that. Thank you. Anyone have any questions for Lewis? No? All right. Uh, 
Alright, thank you. Yeah. I'll give the report on the QPSC from February 28th. Uh, the QPSC met on February 28th. We went through our consent agenda, which was the approval of four system policies and procedures, one at Highland, three at Alameda. We also approved Article 9 of the Alameda Hospital Medical Staff Rules <coughs> as part of the consent agenda. We then moved into the QPSC chair uh, item, uh, and we, we talked about the article, One Way to Prevent Clinician Burnout, which was a, a healthy and robust dialogue, which was followed up by Dr. Hearn later in, uh, in, in the day. We moved on to medical staff reports, and by way of standard work, uh, they gave very robust reports, our chiefs of staff, and we always ask them the same question. Uh, please rank order uh, your list of concerns. Rank order your list of concerns. Dr. Ballard uh, from the Highland Corps noted number one, surge red. Number two, provider wellness. Uh, number three, um, uh, Epic and Sapphire. Um, Dr. Ingenue uh, from the San Leandro staff uh, uh, stated that his number one was the medical staff merger, uh, number two was the anesthesiology transition, um, and SAFIRE implementation. Dr. Marzouk noted uh, that he had issues related to the transfer process and issues of cardiology. We've had robust dialogue about that in the interim since that last meeting. We then moved on to the SBU quality metric report. Uh, Dr. Uh, Karen Triple, the CAO of Behavioral Health, gave us that very nice and robust report, talking about talking through the performance metrics and the issues. I want to summarize with the same question that we asked her. Her number one concern was patient safety, uh, which will relate to part of the, the, this presentation a little bit. Number two was staff engagement and capacity. Number three was resources. So that, that came out of the SBU report. We, we did the same uh, for uh, the uh, post-acute report. CAO Richard Espinosa gave that report. His uh, rank order list was Sapphire, so there's a common theme among, amongst everyone, uh, a little bit of uh, anxiety around Sapphire. Number two was the acute rehab move to San Leandro Hospital, which is coming imminently. Number three, changes in CMS, CMS re reimbursement, which are actually coming in October for him. And number four, I'm just going to call it survey fatigue. He estimated that there are six forthcoming surveys between May and October for his for his uh, piece of the pie. So these are going to be very challenging for our, for, for our colleagues at uh, in post-acute. So for, for this board to be aware of that. He did report that he felt resourced to navigate these challenges. Dr. Hearn, uh, we joke that Dr. Hearn keeps coming back to us. He uh, accused me of calling him back, but that's probably true. So Dr. Hearn, as this board remembers, is our, is our now immediate uh, past chief of staff for the Corps. And, and one of his passions, of course, has been uh, physician well-being. He gave a very, very uh, engaged and robust discussion on provider wellness as a quality metric. It was, it was a good talk. I wish the whole board could have been there. Um, I asked him his top concerns. He noted number one, structure, the structure of the system. It's still nascent, it's still growing and developing. Number two, support. And three, engagement. And that's engagement from all parties, including the board, including the administration, including uh, the physicians in this very, very important, uh, Im important endeavor. Uh, I asked him if he felt resourced to navigate these returns, concerns. He replied that he did not. He replied that he did not. We went on to patient safety and regulatory affairs, and this is where I want to take a little bit of pause and give us a few moments. Um, we reviewed the, the root cause analysis um, uh, analyses, which had occurred in 2018, and this is this is the important work that the quality team. And uh, I do want to stop for a second and applaud the quality team under Dr. J. They they are they are doing 
uh, amazing things. It is extraordinarily difficult work that they are doing. And, and like, with, like with Nancy, they are, they are sometimes showing us things which, which aren't fun to see. Uh, but but I, like with finance, I think that, that the data is, is more real than it ever has been. So we have to take that with a grain of salt and, and consider that. In calendar 2018, our quality team performed 24 root cause analyses. There's this concept of never happen events, things which should never happen, uh, which is published by the National Quality Council. We had about 11 of those last year. So our quality mission is sort of being challenged. Of those 24 RCAs, 11 were at John George, one at Fairmont, 10 at Highland, and one at Alameda, and one at San Leandro. Uh, this is very, very concerning. And uh, uh, we just had QPSC right before this. We've now had nine RCAs since January in this calendar year. Seven of those have happened at John George. And, and uh, the uh, CMS is actually here doing a survey related to our events at John George. So again, this is the challenge of, uh, of actually identifying the issues which are going for. This is not pretty stuff. And it's, it's important for our organization to sort of dig in and really look at this. I do applaud the quality team under, under Dr. J. I, 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 I applaud the operations team under Luis. They're doing very extraordinarily very, they're doing extraordinarily difficult work, and we talked a lot about that today. And I think it was important to note as of today's meeting, we fully support our teams, uh, but we still have a lot of hard work and important work to do. We discussed the True North uh, metric dashboard, and to remind uh, the full board, uh, we're coming, uh, you know, we're, we're in Q4, we're coming up in June, we're going to have to be voting on a new set of True North metrics. So we're trying to frame the, the True North metrics which relate to quality. There are currently 13 of them on our dashboard. We're trying to frame that discussion. Uh, I, I already uh, made discussion in QPSC. I'm going to be requesting from our board president and our CEO and, and, our, and our ad hoc uh, uh, committee chair that we square away a little bit of time at the, at the next retreat to talk about quality, as it's so important, and, and maybe the true north measures. Uh, it was once said to me, it's tough to go wrong when you lead with quality. And uh, that is exactly, Trustee Shikwan, what, what we do here, or what we're striving to do. Uh, and with that, we close out the report. All right, thank you. Any, any questions? Okay, great, thanks. <clears throat> so we're on the consent agenda. Uh, and I know it's a, oh, okay. Second. Alright, we'll move in a second. But I do know that Trustee Jensen wanted to pull something to talk about. And so uh, and I had something as well, so go ahead. Um, I, I just wanted to um, make a comment on the the contract we have. Could you get closer to your mic? Sorry, thanks. We're approving a contract with Alameda Inpatient Medical Group, which is the hospital's providers for um, all the hospitals except for Highland. Where? Where? Where is that? It's a... Uh, what did we do that last year? I, I, I think that was last. Oh, okay. Then I'll, I can wait till the end to look Okay. Uh, you know what? Actually, the last last month's agenda was at the top, so I went back over there. Yeah, were, I, I, I do that all the time. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 I do that okay. all the time. Yeah. But then I, I approved it. Okay. Um, I did, before the, uh, you wanted to talk uh, about 
there was a conversation about the cannabis. Um, I love talking about cannabis. Yeah, it's exciting. So. That was in today's QPSC. I simply wanted to raise the possibility that we may need to revisit that particular policy. Um, our council has advised that there are some moving parts to the different uh, types of legislation that exist. And the reason I raise this concern is just that I, I think we're going to have some patients who come to us and who have been either given uh, by a physician, someone, or they are self-medicating using uh, some form of cannabis, and then they come here for treatment, and if they're told you can't have that here or you can't use that or there's an issue, um, well, then we're now changing, you know, their treatment protocol. And for some individuals who are doing pain management or any number of other things, um, it, it may not be accepted at the federal level, but here in California, we've got, you know, the sense that people can do that. So what do we do? And, and my concern also is about there will be patients who will be quite adamant about that and some who will be more compliant. And I think we're, we're posing uh, some pretty interesting dynamics on the floor among nurses, among physicians, if we don't have a policy that allows for those kinds of conversations. So I've been assured by counsel that, that there is sort of a case-by-case -case analysis, and even that can be fraught with some challenges because it still leaves it up to the person at that moment to say, oh, I can go check for you and see if we can accommodate this. Um, we need to be sure that that's applied evenly and equitably across all uh, patient encounters. So. Was there any other comment on that? Did you want to chime in? Sure. You know, as I briefly explained earlier today, is that there's two different bodies of law that are played. One of them is, uh, you know, federal law, and the other one is California law. And as many of you guys know, you know, we're a federal contractor, and we have to, you know, comply with all the federal regulations, which includes the Controlled Substances Act, which schedules uh, cannabis or marijuana as a controlled substance. And, uh, you know, what's locally for the media health system, even... Uh, California law, Marco Rosa, has certain provisions that allow public entities such as hospitals or SNPs uh, not to comply with the uh, provisions that are, you know, set for under Marco Rosa. Uh, the other thing that I mentioned was, you know, the recent creation of SB 305. So 305 is currently being under review, and what that will require is uh, hospitals that have palliative care departments uh, will be required to allow the use of uh, medicinal cannabis. But what's interesting on, you know, on the legislature is that it, there's a lot of things that are subject to change, including the, there's a provision under 5464, which essentially says that you, know, you don't have to comply with SB 305 as long as you're legally authorized to do so under applicable law. But it leaves the question of whether or not that includes federal or state law. So I think uh, the health center is currently reviewing that part in uh, uh, we're closely monitoring that, and you know we do acknowledge that there's the potential of this, that you know the approval of that uh, legislation may ultimately force us to uh, you know amend our uh, policies. And you know the last point that I say is that you know we do assess all of these issues on a case by case basis. So someday the federal government will take marijuana off the Schedule One list. And put it where it belongs, uh, where um, I'm not saying that it's entirely fine, but 
drugs that have uh, cannabis. One is uh, yeah, uh, synthetic HTSC cannabis. So, I mean, that's a big step. You know, they yeah. still have an advocate on the fact that they're going to change that anytime soon, but it's a big step nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it's ironic that they'll, 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 they'll approve a synthetic produced by a pharmaceutical company. They're not a plant grown by a farmer. So, anyway, so, any other, did you, yeah. Is there clarity, uh, from a staff perspective on how we get to that case-by-case -case review. So, so that's one thing that we kind of, what they do is that they reach out to the supervisors and they also reach out to the legal department okay. so that we can evaluate, you know, uh, the situation. And that messaging has gone out to the soups? Yes. Okay, got it. Okay. All right, so with that, uh, we have a motion and a second. All in favor? Aye. 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 Any opposed? Great. All right. We are done with the consent calendar and on to some action, F1. Um, are you going to stand in for Mike here? Sure, yeah, yeah, I can add, you know, as you guys may recall during the November board meeting, uh, the yeah. Board of Trustees approved the corrective action plan with regards to her. So, uh, I also have Heather here, you know, just in case if you guys have any yeah. questions uh, as far as the co-applicant agreement and the bylaws. Yeah, and actually, Heather, thank you. I'm so glad you're here because I feel like I didn't do a good job articulating the, like, what we need from you before. And so, uh, yeah, thanks. Thanks for coming up. Sure, no problem. I think you articulated very well what we need. Um, to start off with our co-applicant board, we need at least nine members, five of which need to be patients, and we are doing some outreach and recruitment for some folks. I have about eight people on a list right now, but I don't expect that they'll all be able and willing to join us. And so we do need some help with recruiting um, people who not only you know, the patients have great experience and people who have experienced homeless would also be very appropriate, but anybody who would also understand a complex health system, operations, and uh, some of the challenges that we face in our health system would also be great candidates. So people with finance experience, people with legal experience, I mean, anybody who would sit on a board like this would also be very appropriate for a board like the Homeless Health Center co-applicant board, though our authority would be much smaller than yours. So um, I also think that this is a great opportunity for professional development for young people, younger uh, folks who are interested in being in this kind of a board authority position. It's a great place if you're looking at folks who um, it would be their first time because it is a, it's, a, it's a brand new board and uh, probably pretty friendly and not overly um, political, I hope, to start. Um, so now, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the idea of this of that board being a, a feeder, you know, like a, a minor league training for, for bigger boards, that's a really cool idea. And I know we have some board members here who work on issues around homelessness who may know younger <laughs> emerging uh, staff that, that may have an interest in that. <clears throat> yeah. So, where are the meetings? The meetings for right now, the we're planning on holding them here. However, if that um, becomes problematic for the patients or the people who are members of the board, then we would be open to changing it to someplace that was more uh, accessible or parkable like Eastmont. But, but for right now, they're going to be here. Oh, okay. We have to still set up the schedule. Will it be a stipend? No. Thank you so much for asking that question. There are a few um, uh, opportunities that we have through the HRSA 
funding, which do allow for things like reimbursements, um, providing parking, or rather uh, travel reimbursements, childcare reimbursements, any lost wages due to participation on the board, for example, if they can't go to work that day, we would be able to reimburse them for their time. So there is opportunity for reimbursement. Um, I don't know whether it could go beyond that yet, but I do know there's opportunity for reimbursement. And the meetings are how often? Once a month. They're required to be monthly. Is there a HRSA requirement for no compensation? I read that and I was thinking that's kind of inequitable given that the nature was a commission before and now it's turning out to be a real year. Well, the special. commission will still exist. So the commission is one board, and then there will now be another board. So the commission is um, the authority for the health care for the homeless for the county and the co-applicant agreement with the Board of Supervisors. And this is now a co-applicant board that is um, working with you. So it's we're just setting up almost a mirror image of what they have. There isn't... Um, I would say there's, there's limits to what the HRSA funding could be used for. So any HRSA dollars, it talks about reimbursement, but again, I need to still look into whether or not dollars from elsewhere would be allowed allowable to use as stipends. Um, I don't know if there are other legal restrictions because we're a public agency that then also bar stipends, so, so I just don't know. Yeah, and we'll keep looking into that, you know, we don't have an affirmative answer right now, but we'll get back to the board. I think it's really important. Uh, something. For certain. It's very important. Nothing to say about location. It's extremely important to find a location where people can get uh, get themselves. So this would be fine if folks live in Oakland. It wouldn't be for almost anywhere else. Right, exactly. Uh, you know, one alternative would be Creekside. Uh, there's meeting space there. And it's right off the train. Right off the bar. Yes, sir. Is there anything that would preclude um, individuals who work for the city of Oakland in the Homeless and Hunger Program from doing the The only um, exclusions that I know off the top of my head are they can't be Alameda Health System employees or immediate family members of employees. I think that also they cannot be, if they're on the commission, they also can't be on our board, so you can't have right. dual, dual citizenship across the boards. We did not put that into our bylaws, the requirement of Alameda County yeah. residents. I, where I, yeah, that's cool. There are several factors that you know, come into play. Really really yeah. But she moved to Richmond, so. Uh, but she, it's not in the law that it's required to be in Alameda. Yeah. Oh. Okay. It doesn't say anything about needs to be. It doesn't. It's just as long as we serve, you know, they represent the populations that we serve, which okay. encompasses outside okay. of the only areas. That helps. Uh, do people have any other questions? Can we, can we adopt these? Uh, can we do this all at once? Yes? To yep. so all entertain a motion? Motion approved. Second. All in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we have. Um, well, we have the report on the, the rehab is written, so I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, item one, but item two. What? Oh, um, sorry, Trustee Bouquet, you're going to have to leave the room. Thank you. Um, 
who wants to leave? Who wants to, uh, Dr. Gassel, uh, Jamali, do you want to tell us what's going on? Uh, you know, I just, uh, I mean, the good news is, uh, you know, that we have uh, reached an agreement between, uh, a memorandum of agreement between Armida Health Partners Healthcare Medical Group to merge into a single group that will represent the future uh, group for the Armida Health System. Uh, so um, I want first to thank you, Trustee DeVries, thank Trustee Hernandez and Trustee Abualeta of, uh, of your intervention here and and, uh, and helping with this, making it happen. Uh, you know, there is a large number of physicians who are involved in this, but I want to uh, really thank uh, four of them. Uh, one is uh, Dr. Bob Savio, who is the president of the OKL Medical Group, Dr. Nick Perniad, president of uh, Lamida Health Partners, and uh, Dr. Baden from the OKL Medical Group, Chair of Medicine, and Dr. Valerie Ng, the Chair of uh, Pathology, who uh, all made like really very balanced, uh, like the ship going to this. So uh, uh, our, our vision uh, after uh, this is uh, to uh, meet on an uh, intense basis until June uh, 19, and uh, by then, uh, you know, move into this new organization that is going to take the best of Alameda Health Partners and the best of the Oakland Medical Group and define the future physician of Alameda Health System. So, is, uh, thank you. Yes. And, uh, you know, I want to thank all the doctors. I know that uh, March 30th is Doctor's Day, which is a Saturday, so uh, this is a good uh, opportunity to thank all the doctors, especially you know, our chiefs of staff, our medical staff. <coughs> and they have been very engaged. They have been extremely engaged at all levels in our, uh, uh, you know, financial issues, financial problems. They have been meeting with our financial advisors and finance people at, at all levels and, and looking to see how we can find solutions. Uh, with uh, electronic health records, you know, we've been uh, having lots of engagement into how we plan the training and to ensure that we have a seamless uh, you know, transition uh, on September 28th, a uh, big, big date. So, uh, you know, this occasion, I, I really want uh, to thank all our medical staff. All right. Uh, on, you know, on the agenda, we also have Dr. Savio listed, so I don't know if he wants to come up and, and give some uh, quick quick words. Uh, Dr. Yeah, yeah, Dr. Portier, but he's not listed on the agenda, but I'll be gracious. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as you'll be gracious with our time, because we have a lot to talk about later. About, about 15 seconds of this. You can take 30 seconds. <laughs> 10 seconds each. I just wanted to... Uh, deeply thank the board, particularly Trustee Hernandez, agrees for the time that we spent. Um, I really feel like we're all It's going to be an energetic path. Um, it's been work. We have more work to do. We're more excited before we're looking. We want to do a short-term, um, very kind of rapid process build something that's exciting for the Christians, not only in their soups, but throughout the system. Here's my <laughs> I just want to echo exactly what you said. I very much appreciate all the support that we've had, um, including support from the Board of Trustees, but also our administrative staff willing to just kind of step back and help us drive the, you know, help us drive the process when not drive it themselves. Um, we also do have um, a lot to sort out, and we have a very tight timeline, so we, we do need to come up with 
a process and alert to everybody to when the meetings will be and try to get things moving um, because realistically we have about six or seven meetings to kind of work everything out and I think we can absolutely do that it's just a matter of getting on it and making progress so yeah we're excited to do it that's right thank you thank you so if I may I also want to echo the sentiments of uh, other providers and say thank you all to, uh, for your engagement in this effort. Uh, closer to your mic. It's really? I usually don't have this issue. Uh, okay, I feel like I'm mic. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, so echoing their sentiments and thanking you all, but also uh, thanking and congratulating them. I know that this is not uh, uh, easy and it's been a lot of uh, uh, tough work and tough conversations from everyone. Um, I want to uh, say, and I've telegraphed this to um, uh, both sides, that um, um, in, in a demonstration of my hope and, uh, and, and, and uh, uh, sense of optimism that this will come to pass, uh, I am tendering my resignation from the AHP board. I think that's very important to do uh, at this point, recognizing that uh, there still are efforts that have to happen pursuant to this to actually modify uh, bylaws that will come as a sort of an overall package, I, I presume. Uh, but that allows me to um, certainly be in a position in lockstep with this board to make sure that um, that all of the providers who are impacted by this, knowing that there's still another group, but uh, a, a great number of our providers who are impacted about this uh, are, are very clear and unequivocal that my my role is to support the entirety of the organization. It's not one side versus the other, and it is the, it is, it's the whole lot. And and to also make it clear that I um, uh, have a, I have nothing to gain from this not being successful, and I have everything to 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 uh, uh, gain we do for being successful. So I want to thank them for their candor. I want to thank them for their uh, commitment for this, and I want to uh, just uh, uh, offer my support and uh, participation uh, in the effort in the hopes that we will get there, get to where we need to be and really set forth, as Dr. Jamaldin said, that the, the aspiration for what the uh, um, current and future provider for OHS will be. And, and I couldn't be more excited about that. So thank you. Thank you. Uh, Trustee Hernandez. Yeah, thank you so much for letting um, two trust, three trustees be part of this process. I think that that was very um helpful to give us a bit of a sense of what's been happening in the discussions. And I know that there were very painful discussions and very difficult moments in the process. And so one of the sort of notions or frameworks that I'd like to bring to this is that I do believe there is um, a need to build trust between the administration and physicians. And I want to place out there this notion that um, in any tough situation, there is a need to have a constant reckoning of a trust bank account. And when you do things that move the needle forward, that's a deposit. When you do things that undermine the process, that's a withdrawal. Uh, Stephen Covey wrote about this, for those of you who have read The Seven Habits, and he often said that, you know, if you are having difficulty in a relationship, it might be because that trust bank account has gone into default. So I think we're hovering at maybe a couple of dollars in the plus sign right now, meaning we've taken some steps in the right direction. 
Now, we need to be able to call out when we've made a deposit, when we've made a withdrawal, and recognize that perception about this is what we need to pay attention to. What one person thinks is a deposit and another thing, person thinks it's a withdrawal, we're not going to get into that. We just need to say it out loud that this is what people are perceiving. And so I hope with that, um, that the next set of conversations become more opportunities to put deposits in the bank account and that we will build trust one step at a time, but that we are deliberate about that and recognize when something happens and it feels uh, like a step backward. So I'm very much excited about that. I know it's a big time commitment. I hope we can make every meeting. We'll have to sometimes split that up, I think, between Noah, Noah and myself. But I'm really excited about what this prospect of new, new dynamics, new uh, relationships might mean. Thank you. All right. Any other trustees have any questions or comments? No? Is there another? step into this process? Oh, for sure. Um, <coughs> so what is the next step? As well, well if, you, uh, if you read the memorandum of agreement uh, that was in your packet that's been signed by both sides, very exciting, um, we'll be working at breakneck speed uh, to reach a final set of bylaws by June 1st, uh, 2019, mm -hmm. um, that will then be brought back to this board for adoption. Um, and. Um, uh, so between now and June 19th, we will have a, uh, a couple of trustees uh, facilitating the, the process. The, 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 each side will have a number of people identified, um, and I'm not, I'm not doing this justice. Is it three each, four each? I can't recall. Four each, yeah. Uh, and so all of the outstanding issues of the 14 pillars that had been laid out uh, that are not already decided on will be will be decided upon, and we'll. we'll and we'll be done. Um, and then they'll be, not done, but then we'll move to the next step of actually merging these organizations and bringing these doctors uh, into the new uh, new co, as we're calling it right now, right? Um, <coughs> it doesn't have a name yet, but I'm sure um, maybe Terry could help us come up with a name. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, right. Um, it'll be a gem. <laughs> so I couldn't help myself. Um, and uh, I think that's it, yes? Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean there, you, you have to identify trustees, or we can have a separate conversation. Yeah, about we can that. do that. That's yeah. that, that's my my discretion. Sure. Yes. We'll do that. Yeah. Um, I'm going to take this moment because I completely forgot, and I should have said it during my president's report. But as you were speaking about trust and collaboration and facilitation, it it, it, it reminded me that. Um, we all should be congratulating you on your nomination yes. to the Alameda County Women's Hall of Fame. It will be honored this Saturday. It's so exciting. So um, we just got a demonstration of why she's been admitted to the Hall of Fame. It was just wonderful to see in action. Thank you yeah, so much. Thanks. All right. So um, with, oops, I think it's um, we're on to our. Um, sorry, I went. I think went dead. I think we go right to Nancy. Yes. It's a written one. Oh, that is a written one. It is? Yes. Not the, final, the fiscal year 2020 budget update. Is that not? No? no? Uh, I think it's all, it's, all, it's all written. Oh, okay. Uh, okay, great. So then we're, uh, we're done. We're um, adjourning to closed session, yes. correct? The board will meet in closed session to discuss pending litigation matters as authorized by Government Code Section 54956.9, subsection A, 
We'll also have a conference with labor negotiators as authorized by government code section 54957.6 and we'll have public employee performance evaluations as authorized by government code section 54956.7 subsection B.